to episode six of the Restoration Club podcast. We are super excited about this opportunity. Uh, I realized after listening to the past few uh, episodes, I say super a lot. So that's pretty awesome. I just figured that out. Super pumped. I'm super excited. Just super. But speaking of super, Superman Stephen Edwards is with us tonight. We, uh, we couldn't be more excited about this. Again, we have probably talked, I feel like, every episode about this Builder's Cup we had a year and a half ago. And that was at least where I had a chance to meet Stephen. Um, and Danny, maybe that was the same place you had a chance to meet him too, or was it prior? In the flesh, in the flesh, yeah. But I had a, an opportunity to, to be on some virtual calls with Stephen. Stephen goes back before the Builder's Cup, uh, jumping into yep. some conversations as this thing started to evolve. So it was great to meet him there, though. And, uh, and everybody's going to have a really exciting opportunity here to, to kind of see why he was on those front calls and to understand more of who he is. Um, I brag to my friends now who don't even know him yet, uh, just that I've never really met another person who loves relationships as much as I do. Uh, so to hear that and to know that, I'm pumped about everybody else getting to know uh, this guy and these stories. So Stephen Edwards, welcome to the Restoration Club podcast. Tell us about yourself. Super excited to be here, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm Stephen Edwards. Uh, that much has been covered. Uh, I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the Dash, as we refer to it up here, and um, have lived here now for the last um, 10 years. Um, after I went to college at Wake Forest and then lived in Texas for, for a little bit and then have been back with my wife, uh, Mackenzie, and are now two children, Griffin and Rose, um, for the last 10 years. And even though I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, and very much love the mountains, still have family there, Winston very much. If somebody says, where are you from? First thing that pops in my mind is Asheville. If somebody says, where's home? Uh, it, I really do feel Winston. I'm not just saying that. It's just a really special place that's just jam-packed with great people, and that's what makes a home. So uh, we're really grateful to be in Winston. And um, yeah, a little bit more context maybe about myself is, so, like I said, grew up in Asheville, went to Wake Forest, um, studied there, and then um, was kind of graduating at the uh, kind of the middle tail end of the great financial crisis and had studied economics. And a couple of the jobs that I was interested in were uh, involved big moves and low pay. And so I kind of, uh, I really kind of just backstepped into going into campus ministry. And uh, so that's what took us to Texas, where I met my wife, Mackenzie, and uh, yeah, we've been in Winston the last 10 years. That's awesome. I didn't, I had no idea about Asheville. That's wild. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Asheville Christian. Nice. I have a uh, more of the outskirts, but my friends, a uh, ton of college buddies were from Weaverville. Uh, so I still try to get up there and see them and they listen to the podcast. So shout out to all the Weaver Vegas boys up there. Uh, so South Blackhawks would be my guess. North Bunker they, Blackhawks. They would tell you North Black Black. What do they say? North Buncombe Blackhawk football rules. It's kind of funny. They uh they love that stuff to death. So and cruising cruising Patton Avenue. I mean, who wouldn't in Asheville? You know what I mean? That's the place okay. to go. So, uh, but I'm I'm really I'm really pumped again tonight around everyone hearing your passion around golf and around uh what we're doing with Restoration Club, the way that you tied in here, uh, the way that you connected to this piece in general. Um, you want to give us a kind of an intro, maybe how you even connected into RC? How did that come about? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was at the Wyndham today with our dear friend, Dave Baisden, who was my original connection into, you know, Restoration Club and the dream and the vision. And, um, you know, I was, I was telling him that I was going to be chatting with you guys tonight. And 
had had said, you know, I want to make sure I got the origin story right uh, because he was he was the person I connected. And what we joked about is one of the things that's funny about kind of this boom we're in with golf is the boom very much exists on social media. And a lot of times you'll be talking to someone that you meet and you're like, man, like you really know that person. Like y'all go way back. And, and then like you come to find out like they've never met in real life. And so I'm not that way, as Danny can attest to. The moment I made message with someone on Instagram, probably pretty quickly, I'm like, we should like get coffee. Like I'll drive two hours. Like let's, like, let's do it live. Let's get together. So that was Dave and I's experience. So really, really brief. Dave talked about it a little bit in his podcast, which is great. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. I don't know what episode it was, but it was super. And um, so Dave, uh, actually, a, fr a friend of my brother's from high school, Graylin Loomis, is one of the people who really helped Dave get going with his career because uh, he did a commission of the old course at St. Andrews. And so mm -hmm. I had kind of seen about Dave, heard about Dave from Graylin, stuff online. So then at some point, I, I think I just like saw something he posted and I was like, oh, like he looks like he's a Christian. I'm going to DM him. And next time he's, he, I think he was doing something at Old Town Club for maybe one of their tournaments. And I was just like, hey, I live around the corner. Like, let's grab coffee. And we became fast friends. And then he told me about Restoration Club and got to meet Danny, got to meet Jeff, got to be on a, a few calls before Builders Cup, just thinking through like, what does this look like? Is it an organization? Is it a business? Um, that's some of my background professionally. And so love being able to step into that kind of builder space and uh, have loved it ever since. And but that was the original connection was, you know, saying to Dave, like, hey, man, like, I'm not just going to keep DMing you. Uh, <laughs> like, that's not really how I roll. Uh, I DM friends and friends are people I've met in real life. So like, let's make that happen. That's awesome, man. I love that. I'll, I'll just jump in here real quick. I, I, as Ryan already said, we've talked about the Builders Cup, what feels like every episode at this point, um, which is a pleasure to kind of get the personal POV of people that were there. Uh, and Ryan was there for our first day at Tobacco Road, which is definitely memorable. And the the old church of Pinehurst that evening. Uh, and Stephen, it was the first place a lot, a lot of us got to meet each other and meet you, um, which was amazing. I, I'm not going to let you get away, though, without at least calling out the fact that Ryan, this guy the next morning before Southern Pines was up early, ready to go, making his famous breakfast tacos. He was setting the tone early. So I, I don't think I'm going to forget that as much as I forget the conversation. Let's go. Well, that I, I, I only lived in Texas for three and a half years, but I came home with two of the most important things in my life. The first is my wife, uh, Mackenzie. Nice. That was the best thing I took home from Texas. The second was a love for breakfast tacos and an ability to make pretty good ones. I mean, if you ask my son Griffin what his favorite food is, which Dave's son asked him today at the Wyndham because he didn't want to eat the food in the at the tournament, he's like breakfast tacos. And Pres, you know, Preston's like breakfast tacos. <laughs> so, so Edwards love it. If we were gonna rank between breakfast tacos, is it the Edwards breakfast taco or the Bucky's? breakfast taco is top shelf Ooh, which Bucky, one is Bucky's it is good i'm not slapping biscuit <laughs> in my in my uh, breakfast tacos so they got me beat on that but there you go. I mean, so. if, if 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 it's apples to apples with ingredients yeah i think i can take bucky's down it's the touch of love i love it that's good that's awesome steven you you hit on griffin a couple times already i want to take a step back beyond restoration club kind of go back to your introduction to the game i know uh i'm not going to do it justice in terms of Twilight Golf, your investment in the game, where you're at now. But take us back to 
what was step one? I know it's become a, a generational thing for you, so I'd love to hear a bit more about you getting into the game and where it's kind of led you to now. Yeah, happy to. So I grew up with a, a real love of sports. Sports were always big in my family. My mom, most of my childhood was a basketball coach, a high school girls basketball coach, competing on a state championship level. She had played in college. So basketball was really big in our family. Um, and then um, my dad is a, is a very good tennis player, has always played recreationally. And, um, and But for me, my sport was always baseball. Like I always loved baseball, loved basketball, wasn't as good as basketball, uh, but loved baseball and, and played that. Um, but golf wasn't really something that like our family did. It wasn't ever like negative, like it, it didn't have like weird like undertones or negativity, but just wasn't really something that was around in our household. Other than, you know, once at the beach, you'd kind of like piddle around on the back of a green or you'd go to like a, your local, like we grew up kind of near Asheville Muni golf course. And you might go out there and like at eight o'clock at night and hit around, but wasn't something I grew up doing as a kid. And uh, it was really my experience. My last um, summer, I lived in Winston-Salem before I moved to Texas, um, had some friends that I lived with off campus and we were just working jobs. And they had grown up playing golf and we started going to Reynolds Park. And I was like, man, this is great. Like, I love sports. I love community. I love fellowship. Like, this kind of ties it all together. And then I moved to Texas and Texas is flat. People people in Dallas love Dallas. I, I'm not going to, this, this podcast is not dedicated to slandering Dallas. But Dallas is not North Carolina. Like, it's not beautiful. They're, the part, like, And so people play a lot of golf because most of the beautiful spaces in Dallas are golf courses and there's plenty of beautiful ones. And so when I noticed that, I was like, man, a lot of people play golf. Like, I'm not very good at golf, um, but I'm pretty competitive. I love being with, with others. And so I started playing pretty decent amount, um, just kind of socially here and there for work or different charity stuff. But it was, it really was um, when COVID happened and I worked for home from home for a year, uh, we had just had our daughter Rose um, and Griffin was like four, three and a half, four. And about every day, like we went to the golf course and we just putt, we, you know, piddle around, we'd hop in a cart, ride around and play a few holes. And he just loved it. Like he just, he just thought it was the best. Like I just, I remember thinking for my own mental health, like I got to get out there. I'm not going by myself. Like my wife with a three month old is not going to be like, Hey, COVID's happening. Like, good luck. Like, but she was happy for me to go if I took Griffin. And so I, I did. And it just evolved from it started with I got him a little putter and then he wanted a little club and then he wanted a little driver. And, you know, now he's he just turned seven, if you know, a month ago and he's all about it. So um, that's been really special to just have that connection with him. And, you know, I had things that I was connected with my dad and my brother and uh, my sister and my mom growing up. But golf is really unique in the way that you really do it shoulder to shoulder and you do it together. That's a little bit different, I think, than other sports. That's been my experience, at least. Um, and so I'm just trying to stay out of the way, man, and just, like, let him have fun and not be the, um, the like, hyper-focused dad. Like, we don't do instruction. Like, we just, like, he just plays. I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find a seven-year-old who plays more golf than Griffin. But like we don't go to the range. We're not like putting tees down in the putting green, like trying to practice. It's just like you want to go play golf. Let's go play golf. So that that's 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 been a fun experience. 
I, th- I love it. Uh, many of us are dads. A lot of people out there are, um, we're sons, those types of things. So that connection between a father and a son is pivotal. Um, and even people who myself didn't really have my dad growing up, but I know the value in that now, uh, what it means to my, my children to have their dad heavily invested and involved and helping guide any spark of a passion that they have, whether it's golf, art, whatever they're chasing, to be a part of that process with them really pushes them to new levels. Um, so I think that's awesome. Um, speaking of like levels, uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, can you give us a little bit since you head up Twilight Golf Club up there in Winston slash Charlotte slash Raleigh? Uh, give us a little breakdown of what the Twilight Golf Club is, as I'm a personal member of the Twilight Golf Club. So I, I brag. Yeah, Danny too. Come on, Danny. You're, you're yeah. Twilight. <laughs> Once Twilight, always Twilight. I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to give you your congrats before uh, we even hopped on, but I'll do it now, man. Congrats on the the huge event that you had the other night. I was bummed to miss out, but it, it was amazing to see the turnout. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of give the shortest version possible. So, um, you know, I've kind of mentioned this already, like pretty high motor for like connection with others, building things, you know, COVID's happening. There's like this enormous dislocation within local communities you've really removed the ability for people to like be in person be together and i just had like the crazy idea it was august you know COVID at this point had been going on for nine months for six months and i just had this idea is like at the time the governor said you could have 50 people for an event outdoors i was like all right well i'm gonna get 50 people together i don't really know how yet but we're gonna do it and I decided to call it the Twilight Open because it was going to be at night at Reynolds Park. And once people started signing up, I was just like, what? This should like raise money for something. Like, I don't need the money. And so we built in a little bit of margin. And I reached out to the HV3 Foundation and said, hey, if we raise some money in exchange for a check, will you like send some swag? <laughs> like, will you send like hats and giveaways and towels? And they were all about it. And they had just started as a foundation. And so we did that event the second year and and did some other events and did a summer league. But to be honest, the first year and change, it was just a response to like, people had fun. Golf was fun, a way to connect. COVID hung around for a lot longer than most of us expected. And that was a way to just like have some community as outdoors, social, really well connected. And then we kind of just grew in a way that we weren't an organization. I didn't have any desire to grow something um or monetize it in any way and i was having a conversation uh with um a a staff member at carolina golf uh, association and it's it's kind of funny thinking about because i used to work in fundraising but i like asked for an email list of people who had signed up for the e-club that were participating in our summer league and he was super nice he's like i can't give you like an email list i was like no no no, i know all of them he's like no i can't give you an email list but you can become an official usga golf club and then you guys can just do this on your own i'm like dude i i don't work in golf i don't know what you're talking about i don't even think i kept a handicap at that point maybe and so we um so we ended up doing that so we became an official not-for-profit we you know kind of changed our name at that point i think we were called like twilight summer league we changed it to twilight golf club in 2021 became an official not-for-profit a member club of the usga and the carolina golf association which really what that means is it provides an opportunity for us to give people a home club without being a green grass golf club. So you don't, it's $50 a year to join Twilight Golf Club. It's intentionally accessible. It's supposed to be similar to like joining an e-club. 
but what we try and do is provide community. Um, so we have like a private um, channel where people can connect about anything from like buying golf shoes to where to play in a city to, hey, I need an extra person in a tea time Sunday morning, uh, try and do some events throughout the year, and then um, just give people an opportunity to connect. And um, then the event that we do, the Twilight Open, we just had the fourth the other night. Thanks for mentioning that, Danny. We had over 100 people there. Ryan was there. It was good to see him. Raised, um, we haven't gotten the final numbers yet since it's only a couple of days ago, but probably close to $6,500 for the first day of Central Carolina. And the thing that's pretty cool about that event, which I think in a lot of ways embodies what Twilight Golf Club is, is we just want to be a space where people can be authentic, have fun, uh, be respectful and kind to others show up however they are like if they're new to golf and they feel you know nervous about not being that good fine no problem um if you used to play really competitively and you're kind of done with the grind great get like join join up with the guys a 30 handicap and play alternate shot and like be a kid like just have fun and so the format of the event you you pay 50 dollars to come there's beer there's music there's we had guys slinging burritos and you're playing in a group of like how big was your group brian we were 12 deep. Yeah. So you're playing in like a 12 some. We're doing late night putting contests. We had an 11 year old who won a putting contest over probably 75 uh, adults, um, you know, and won four sweet tickets to the window. And, and that's that was the big prize. The big prize wasn't who shot the lowest score, what foursome shot, you know, 48 in the scramble and got made fun <laughs> of on Instagram. The prize was like the person who like, it, it was it was a joyous moment because it's just like celebrating the little things and anybody can win a putting contest. Uh, not everybody can win, you know, a full blown 18 holes, but anybody can win a putting contest. So that's a little bit of what it is. We have two two hundred and five members or something like that in the state of North Carolina. Um, and some some guys play every single week in like our summer league and every event and other people. It's just a great place to keep a handicap that they have when they you know, playing something through work or travel with friends and maybe play in one event a year, but it's intended to be really approachable. And then because we're a not-for-profit, the little bit amount over the top that we get from the annual dues, we give away to the first tee to sponsor um, a kid, roughly one kid per member for one of their programs affiliated with Youth On Course. And that means a lot to us, you know, the ability to provide a cool opportunity for adults to be engaged with golf, but also a really cool opportunity to give back and do both at the same time. That's awesome. I, I can, man, I'll tell you what, that was, I've never been a part of anything like that before. I, I showed up and I was talking to my buddy Devin and I'm like, what's this like? And he says, I don't know, but I'm picturing it being wild. So like, and, and I had a few weeks ago came up to Winston just on a whim and played in the summer league night and it was a blast. And we had like seven guys walking around, which was new for me. I'm like, what about all the rules guys? What about following the, it was just, Rip it, rip it, have a good time. It was a blast. And one of my favorite things I really enjoyed about our our particular group uh, the other night was like Coach Penny from Winston-Salem State, who was also with First Tee. Three interns like are playing with us who are with First Tee and just hearing their their journeys. I was talking with Tyler and Johnny around what they want to do after college. And it was such a, and it's a passion for me anyway, helping young people kind of find their direction. And Hearing them talk about Tyler saying, I want to go pro. I want to, I'd love to play pro golf or Johnny going, I want to go into business and figure out what I'm going to do with these things. It would have never happened had I not been willing just to walk. And we did it. We did a scramble format. We had our 
you guys pair up and let's just scramble it out. And it was such a blast. Everybody's having a good time. And you've built a really good structure there for, like you said, you model this thing and show them kind of how we treat each other, why golf is supposed to be accessible and fun. And it's a game at the end of the day, right? So uh, TGC does a great job of incorporating that. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, man. No problem. I feel like I can't go forward without uh, setting the record straight. Steven, you, you hit on your mom being a, a basketball player. Was mom Dukes winning horse against the Edwards household growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely winning horse for sure. She's money from the elbow. That's, nice. that's a bucket. She was like a walking bucket. Great basketball coach for many, many years. And my sister was a really great basketball and soccer player, soccer in particular. And then my brother, younger brother, David, who I know Ryan has met. I'm not sure if you've met Danny. He lives in Charlotte. He's a stick. Like, he's really good at golf. He started playing golf. um, So he's my youngest sibling. He started playing golf when I was kind of finished. He was going into high school. I was kind of finishing college. And so that was another reason I kind of started playing golf is he started playing. And I was like, I want to be able to connect with my brother. And he's, he's really good at golf. And he was really, really good at basketball, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's like love sports if you're in the edwards household around the holiday it's always you know some sort of driveway game going on or wiffle ball i mean all my son griffin wanted to do for his seven-year-old birthday was play a wiffle ball game it's like all he wanted to do and eat big league chew and not be told he couldn't have any more you know Mm. just like you can have the big league chew so that's awesome (laughs) the edward the edwards olympics sounds too over my head i don't think i could compete with you guys it's way too well rounded for me (laughs) But you, you hit on it, um, you know, with your, your younger brother, with Griffin. I'm curious, just because you didn't grow up with the game, but as a guy who's both intentional in relationships, as Ryan said, on the course and off, what is, I guess, the, the last few years or handful of years in the game meant to you in terms of you personally building relationships in the game? And, and how has the game kind of forged relationships for you that maybe you didn't expect? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I would I would honestly say that when I played golf pre-kids, like pre-Griffin, I was pretty focused on score. Like I really, I didn't keep a handicap, but I was really focused on breaking 100 and then breaking 90 and then breaking 80. And, you know, once I did that, like, I think I had like all joy removed from golf because then I realized like how hard it would be to like go any lower than like 78, you know? I always loved playing and being with people, but I recognized that like, I really like um, at that point in time, like golf was just like a, uh, a sport, you know, it, my view of it was like, it was a sport. And I think through the eyes of my son, I really started to view the golf, that golf as a game. And I think there's actually a pretty important distinction there. So a lot of times like sport, you know, there sometimes there's like a a real competition associated or money associated or professionalism associated or, uh, you know, like win lose, uh, with a game, both people can win. Like a game doesn't have to involve win lose. Um, and so like golf, you can have a partner, right? You can play in an event and you can be with a partner. You can be, you don't have to keep score, right? You can just, you can go out and play. And so I think it was through that experience of just like enjoying golf as a game, that it then opened my eyes and just the, I wasn't playing, you know, near as much when I had a child. And so when I got the opportunity to do it, I was just like, man, I got to cherish this. Like if I'm going to be out here, uh, certainly if I'm going to be away from home with a young child before I started taking Griffin out, like I just got to really cherish this. And so then all of a sudden you realize like, 
when do I get this amount of time carved out with a friend or carved out with a family member? You know, how, how do I want to make the most of it? And one of the things that was really powerful for me at the Builders Cup uh, that I've, I've told this story to people many times. So the day we were at Tobacco Road, we're all on the first tee about to tee off. And, you know, I knew Dave. I'd met you, Danny, virtually. I'd met Jeff virtually. But I don't think I've met anyone else. And Jeff just literally, I don't remember what the questions were. That's actually not the point. But the point was that there was just time on the first tee where he said, hey, got a couple things I just want you to think about. You're going to have this beautiful walk, this beautiful place, meet these new people. Here are just two questions to maybe throw out to the group. And it was something around family or faith or passion or why you're here. How'd you end up here? And just the framing of saying, hey, for the next five hours, just be reflective, be contemplative be focused on like who you're with. I was like, that's it. Like that's so, that so helps me think about what I'm really passionate about when it comes to golf. Um, and just that ability to walk shoulder to shoulder. There's a lot of psychology around, especially for men, the experience of being side to side, um, you know, instead of this like awkward coffee, which it can be at times. And golf provides you this ability to do an activity side to side, like sometimes is the actual physical position, but also like side to side playing a sport, you know, hiking, uh, building something. It allows you to engage with parts of your brain and with parts of your, your, your soul that, that we don't naturally tap into in our everyday lives. And uh, I just love, I love that about golf. Like I just, you're outside, you get a chance to walk, get a chance to connect with others. And then the other piece that I think is a huge, just personal, like passion and mission of mine that comes through with Twilight Golf Club is especially in the last few years, like our world is like really polarized. And I, I just, if you go to your local municipal golf course, I would argue it is the most representative cross-section probably of your city on like a Tuesday afternoon. It's not perfect. You know, it's not perfect. There's underrepresentation for sure. But in terms of, you know, for you guys, if you go to Sifford, there's not like your local churches, uh, your local breweries, your local restaurants, your local, you know, shops, they're not as representative. It's, again, it's not perfect. But in terms of the cross section of the city, Sif Sifford's it, man. Like it's yeah. it. And so I, I love that. I, I don't I haven't like fully built out in my mind exactly how I want to lean into that the rest of my life. But like, I think that's, I think that's magic. And I think that there's something to really be, really be utilized there uh, and lean into the origin and the history of that. Um, but that, but that's because of golf. It really is because of golf, because the local parks are, are, are not that, you know, they're just, where do you live? What's close to the house? Um, but golf courses are different. You you really hit it when you started to talk about those those questions Jeff posed to us on the first tee. And I still remember, I don't remember the question either exactly, but hearing that thinking, all right, let me just the rest of this round have that be a thing. And then we circle back up that evening to kind of process and talk through those things. Such a powerful thing. And it's kind of as we're building, you know, Restoration Club out, having those intentional points be a part of events or be a part of our connections or be it just intentionality is the biggest thing I feel is lacking often from men's lives because we kind of just take whatever's usually thrown at us. Oh, I'm given time to go do something. Or I'll just take a little bit of time and do it. Or I'll, I have an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z, or I can just sit down. I think what's really missing often is the intentionality to go to the place 
to go interact and engage in the thing, not just the game, but the actual full broad stroke of what it is. And so I love that idea. And it just made me think about kind of where we're headed with Restoration Club. So I'm glad you said those pieces because it's really powerful with how we build this thing out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that was really well said, Stephen. Um, and I appreciate you visually taking us back to to that first tee. I can see it in my head. And Ryan's exactly right. I think that's the heart and the mission behind what we hope to become more local meetups in different cities. It doesn't have to be complex. It can be as simple as you said, a couple questions to be intentional. Um, and I'm glad I was able to lean into who I was with on that course that day too. I, I should have been digging a little more into your close notes of the course than uh, wor worrying about everything else. But uh, yeah, I probably could have put some more time into that. So I'm glad I had the guys around me that I did. Yeah, and the only thing I was going to add, because Ryan made me think of it, but as life becomes more layered over, you know, as you have work responsibilities, you know, home or family responsibilities, friends that you want to spend time with, I'm just really big on like in my life, I still want to do the things I enjoy and care about. Like I'm not just going to like shut off what makes me tick, what brings me joy. My wife is amazing in that. But I'm also, I also want to be responsible and I want to be engaged. So what that ends up looking like a lot of times is like, you just got to leverage your margin, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'll get at times to be like, man, like Griffin is like with you a lot. Like he spends a lot of his life with you. It's like, yeah, because like, I want to go do certain things. And the way it works is like, I'm not just going to be like, hey, sweetie, I'm going to go yeah. play golf this weekend. Uh, I know I've been at work all week, but like, enjoy the kids. Like, I know you love them. It's like, and, you know, and even, and even in that situation, like something like the Wyndham today, right? Going, getting to go to that. It's like, hey, let me just swing by the house and pick them up really quick. And you don't have to take them. It's like, no, it's like spend time with them, see friends. Because I think that's one of the things that's really important within, um, you know, the pastor at our church has a really wonderful relationship with both of his kids. But in particular, I'm, I'm close with his son who's college aged. And I asked him one time, I, I asked Giorgio, uh, who's the pastor at our church, he used to pastor a ch uh, church down Charlotte. And I said, you know, why are you and Carver, uh, you know, so close? I, like, it's, it's like so aspirational. Like, I want that. And he's like, I just took him where I went, had mm -hmm. him hang around with my friends. Like, I wasn't two different people. I wasn't like dad and then like put him to bed and ran off and was a different person. Like, if mm -hmm. I wanted to go be with someone or go do something, like he tagged along. Did that mean at times he heard language he maybe didn't need to from so-and-so in the community? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Did it mean sometimes we, but it's like, but we have an authentic relationship because like who I was, was, was the same with him as it was with others. And mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I think that's, that's real versus like saying, all right, now I got to go do family. Now I got to go do work. Now I got to go be with friends. It's like, no, I just, I want to be me. And I want to do as much as I can. And I want to do it with others. And it's messy. So I get it wrong all the time. But the goal is to leverage my margin because I can't, the thing I can't recreate is like more time. That's good. You know, what's crazy. I was just listening to the Golfer's Journal. Uh, Tom was interviewing uh, Gary Williams. And Gary talked about how he spent so much time with his dad growing up. And his dad would take him to the most amazing places around all of his friends. So he learned maturity aspects at a young age. And so instilling that into especially and especially into our children will be vital to ha having a world just be a better place. Cause you mentioned the kind of the at odds world we're living in at the moment. If we can continue to let our, our children see 
the world through a lens that it's not all bad and that we can actually bring some good to it, especially by being around us, observing us doing it, you know, modeling it. We're, we're being about it, not just talking about it. Then I, I believe that it's a it's a game changer across legacies, across uh, generational pieces. It'll, it'll be going on for lifetimes to come. Yeah. And I know uh, both of you guys probably have heard it so many times, but I always remind myself more is caught than taught. And I've got three boys and, and mine split Griffin. My two oldest are nine and six. And I think it's easy sometimes to take on the perspective of, you know, we want to intentionally have them around and, and spend time with them. But, you know, I think the mentality is sometimes, oh, they're just kind of tagging along, but they're, they're soaking in everything that's going on around them. And they're, they're kind of creating those memories. So to, to have him at a Wyndham or to be out on the course, um, those are things that are being ingrained now. And I think we probably sell it, sell a little, a little short. That would bring us to the thing today, I think, with Griffin, which was powerful that I'm even hearing you say, Stephen, was the idea that you spending that time with him and taking him to the Wyndham, he could have sat at home and just been there, but you had a chance to make a memory with him, right? And creating these core memories in our children, things that they will always remember. If somebody someday asks him, hey, why are you and your dad so close? Oh, I've always been with my dad. What are you talking about? Like, it's, it's the way it is. And so those memories stay locked in and uh, really help uh, young people. And then even as he grows older to maybe reproduce those own things in his own life, if that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, being being uh, authentic and fully integrated is both easier and harder, right? It's like, sometimes it feels really natural and other times it's like, I just would love to just like have a break, right? Or go do such and such. And so again, it's not perfect. I'm not trying to sit here and act like I get it all right, but. The goal is that, like, if I can have um, good relationships with those around me, family, friends, like, I want to do that. And uh, the way that I, the way thus far in my life, I feel like that happens is typically through quality time. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it looks like for me. That's awesome. Well, Ryan, does that bring us uh, to the question we want to make sure we ask everybody? Did you see me throw that up like a Steven Edwards curveball? I just threw it up there ready for you to hit it. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, and to all the listeners, if you guys haven't heard before, one thing we want to make sure we ask everybody, Stephen, we'd love to know, what is your favorite memory on a golf course not involving a golf club? Yeah, um, man. I mean, so many of them, when I think about that, definitely goes to Griffin. You know, he uh, he got so like I was on the golf course, but I wasn't holding a golf club other than it was funny. They did this series up in. Um, so Ryan Wilson, who's the relatively new executive director, of First Tee Central Carolina, they they uh, started this little tournament series for kids this summer, which was really special. So Griffin did that. He turned seven about halfway through the summer. So he was able to participate in the last two tournaments in the seven to nine year old division. And uh, he won his first tournament he played in, which was kind, which was kind of nuts. And um, you know, one of the things, without getting too much into the story, one of the things that I was really proud of, like a really, really special moment, is uh, on like the second or third hole, there was a kid in our group that that cheated pretty bad. Uh, he like legitimately just like moved his ball on the green, like and like with his foot, hoping no one was looking. And I noticed it and he wasn't very subtle. He was like eight, right? <laughs> so, uh, and Griffin noticed it and he got really emotional when we got back and I was like caddying for him. And uh, he was pretty emotional about it and I asked him why. And uh, it was because the kid had told us that he had gotten a lower score on the hole than Griffin did. 
And so I just said to him, I said, Hey, what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to go say something? Are you going to, he's like, no, I don't want to say anything. And I said, okay, well then you can control what you control, which is your score. Is your score right? Did you move your ball? No. Okay. Well then let's go, let's go, let's go hit the next shot. And, um, so he ended up winning and the other kid finished in second and I was pretty anxious of how he was going to handle it of like, if he was going to say something or if he was going to like, you know, do like a Mbappe or something and like, you know, strut in front of him and like put his, put his hands up or and he's seven. And, um, he just like shook the kid's hand and just said, congrats and asked if he wanted to take a photo. And I mm. thought to myself, there's no chance I would have done that. There's no chance I would have done that. So I think my favorite moments are getting to see just like, um, uh, you know, just getting to learn from, I mean, again, like golf's so special. Like I'm learning about character of like thinking about times I've been on the golf course and, you know, one of my greatest struggles is wanting to be well-liked by others. And you all of a sudden you get on a golf course and you want your score to be good. And you're like, did it really go in the hazard on that line? Maybe it was a little bit further up. You know, you it's easy to like, just have that stuff running through your head. And then all of a sudden I see my seven-year-old and I'm like, man, you know, what a great lesson to be reminded to just handle yourself with, with class and humility but also to care, like he cared, like he was so upset that the kid did it. Um, and it led to a really cool conversation. So I've got other stories like that, but I'm just proud of that little dude. And, um, you know, he's over at, he's at the twilight open the other night and my dad came for the first, he was able to come to the, it's our fourth twilight open was the first one he was able to come to. And at one point he was like, I don't know where Griffin is. <laughs> I'm like, I don't either, but like, that's fine. Like, I'm sure he's on a whole, like he knows yeah. a lot of these guys. I'm not really that concerned about it. Maybe I should be. And Ryan saw him. He's just like master of ceremonies. Um, yeah. He's a special kid. Awesome. You, you've done a, a really great job. You and Mackenzie have really raised an exceptional young man. And uh, you can see that again, that level of character. So I hope we'll all be more like Griffin, you know, and seek, seek to be, the better person and seek to take the photo uh, with him and just enjoy the moment. Because again, he, you gave him great advice, control what you can control. And that's, I feel like a life lesson, right? For adults and youngsters is that control what you control. And when that happens, things tend to work out. And uh, we, we firmly believe that God honors those things and yeah. just uh, we're, we're called to character, you know? So I appreciate what you guys have, have instilled in him and, who he's already growing to be. So it's pretty cool. Thanks, Ryan. Well, boys, I, I think that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, I don't know if we have round us out. Things. Yeah, that was St Steven. I, I can't wait to sit down. Just, I want to hear stories from you. I just feel like you have <laughs> stories to share. You're an excellent storyteller. Uh, you have a way of even your inflection of tone and everything goes. It's just something I'm really, uh, I really love hearing from you. So um, I'm thankful that you were even joining us tonight. I know, uh, you know, it's not always easy, young kids, married, life, work, all these types of things, but you carving out the time to tell your story, which will impact other people that'll listen. So um, thanks again for your investment, not only in uh, your family, your community, Twilight, Restoration Club, just your investment in, in mankind. We appreciate it greatly, man. Yeah. I, I mean, if I can leave, I appreciate you saying that, Ryan and Danny, you guys for having me. It's really honored. If I can maybe just leave 
uh, even for myself, just as like a Ebenezer stone in the end of the podcast to just like remember what's in the bag. Uh, for me, my life verse um, since probably college, maybe late high school, college has been 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And, um, you know, for those who are listening to this, just like reflect on that for a second and think about what it is that you have, you know, your family, your work, uh, your golf game, and think about like the fact that you have those things, but God didn't give you uh, timidity within them, but instead gave you the ability to have power through his spirit, uh, you know, love through his son and, um, and discipline through what God gives us in, in the, in the, in his word and, and in friendships. And, um, the Trinity provides that, right. It gives that to us. And we have that, if you have, if the spirit of God's in you, you have that power and you don't have to be timid. So that's just the first thing. And, and the, the second thing I'll say to follow up on that, is a lot of times people go, I believe that, but I still feel stuck. They may not say that, but they're still timid because they're like, I don't know how to start. And so for me, like, I feel like the way I try and live my life is like, I just try stuff. Like, I just yeah. like a friend can say like, man, like I'm really struggling. And I don't, I don't, I'm not someone who's like, let me like think about that and like pray about that for a long time. I'm like, I'm on the way to your house. Like, and they're like, I didn't exactly invite you over, but now that you're coming, I'll put shoes on and we'll go somewhere because my kids are asleep, you know? So I would just say like, for those who are listening, again, whether it's your work, whether it's involvement in restoration club, whether it's your family, your church, just like go do the next thing. When you see an opportunity, that's what Twilight Golf Club is. All the time people are like, man, you had this mastermind idea. I'm like, no, I did not. Like that's, that, that's the humor of it because it literally was a hundred, 200 times where the next thing happened that typically was someone had an idea, someone had a question, someone had a need. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to use my time. If I've got gifts in this space, I'll use that too. I'm like, let's try something. And like, I think God has made it very clear in his word that he really blesses those who are faithful and typically faithfulness is just like simple stuff. It's not like world changing, like you threw the biggest event ever, you had the best trip ever. It's just like you just showed up. And so I hope that's encouraging. It's encouraging to me to like remind myself of that because it's easy to deviate, but um, that's what God put in my heart there at the end. All right, guys. Well, that wraps episode six of the Restoration Club podcast. We had Stephen Edwards on from the Dash, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That guy's making some moves, Ryan. That guy's investing yeah. in North Carolina golf like like no other. Yeah. You um, know what I just figured out? Why they call it the Dash? Because it's Winston-Salem. Exactly. I've been dumb for this long. You caught on. You caught on by the I end. We're good. It. We're good. Uh, but great guy. If you guys don't, don't follow him, don't know Steven, definitely check him out for sure. He's been involved with the restoration since... Pretty much day one as well. Great to have him aboard with us. Uh, great great to roll out another podcast here shortly after episode five. We're going to keep bringing them your way, guys. Um, definitely jump on the, the website, restorationclub.co. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, sign up for that. Uh, ho hopefully bringing some new merch your way for the next season. Follow us on Instagram, restoration underscore club. Love seeing your messages in there. Love seeing all the new chapters popping up on Discord. We're going to start getting the, the local meetups going here, guys. So, so stay tuned for that, too. We'd love to see you guys 
post something in your area. It, there's different, you know, chapters popping up all over the place. Love to see it. So appreciate you guys listening in. Stay tuned. Until next time, Ryan, keep swinging. Keep swinging.